Who am I? Why am I here? Oh, it's Steel Man and Thune. That's right, at noon here on a Wednesday. How's everybody? How's everybody doing? Hope you're good. Hope you're good. Hope you are good. And uh, we've got bull stuff to talk about today. We've got Parker on location in Orlando on this Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune. We have Connor Pasby running the show. Doing a great job out of the pen again. This guy gets a lot of innings. This guy gets a lot of innings, particularly during the holidays, and he's throwing about 97 miles an hour on the jugs gun based on what I'm seeing. Good movement. You know, really, really good stuff today. Parker, again, is in Orlando. Brent and Mike Norvell had a press conference uh, this morning. We're going to hear Brent talking about, uh, you know, getting Peyton Bowen. You did see, of course, the comments about, you know, when Oklahoma officially released the video when it became official on Thursday that Peyton Bowen was going to Oklahoma, but he talked uh, in length and in depth about the signature of Peyton Bowen. We'll get to that coming up here in a little bit for our Ortho Central clip of the day. Parker Thune, how you doing in Orlando? I tell you what, Steely, this is the height of luxury. I am coming to you from a king bed in a Marriott in Orlando, Florida. I may or may not be shirtless. You decide. But... This is about as comfortable as I can be while on the clock. So just got back not too long ago from the joint press conference between Brent Venables and Mike Norvell. We are scarce more than 24 hours away from the Cheez-It Bowl. I went to Camping World Stadium, scoped it out, picked up my credentials. I now have the lay of the land. And we're set, Steely. One more Sooner football game in the year of our Lord 2022 on the horizon. There you go. Let's hope it's not like uh, 2014 when it was the Russell Athletic Bowl and uh, Brent Vittables and Clemson uh, made easy work of Oklahoma that night, uh, which was not a memorable bowl performance for the Sooners. We'll see. They're up against it against uh, Florida State coming up tomorrow night. Nine-and-a-half point underdog. And, again, the Sooners without their starting two tackles, without Eric Gray, without Jalen Redman. Uh, Florida State has only had one opt-out. That's it, and this is a talented team led by Jordan Travis, quarterback on offense. Jared Verse, big-time defensive lineman on defense. They've been playing some really good football. But can the Sooners win this game? Yes, they can win this game. But they're going to have to play really solid football to get it done. All right, uh, so no travel issues for you, I guess. No major travel issues. My second flight, the one from Dallas to Orlando, was delayed about a half an hour due to a maintenance issue with one of the planes. So I didn't get to my hotel room until about 2 a.m. local time last night. Then I had to turn around and wake up at 7.30 to make it to Brent and Mike Norvell's press conference. So uh, team no sleep. That's uh, where I find myself on this morning. By the way, you mentioned the Russell Athletic Bowl. That was my favorite thing that Brent said in the entire press conference this morning. There was a little bit more context to it than this, but Brent basically, like, if this isn't word for word what he said, it's a very, very close paraphrase. He just basically said, Oklahoma played Clemson in this game in 2014. They did not win. (laughs) No, Brent, they did not. First play from scrimmage went to the house for Clemson. That was a very rough night for Sooner fans, no doubt. So we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. 4.30 is kickoff time in uh, the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando. Sooners again a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. All right, so Brent did talk about Peyton Bowen at length 
today. Remember, really the only uh, comments that we got from Brent were basically from the video that OU released, the Oklahoma football Twitter account released and uh, on Instagram, uh, where you know they were talking about uh, why a certain guy was signed to the class and what they bring to the table. And we heard some of that. We heard from Brent at length on the signature of Peyton Bowen earlier this morning. Here's what he said. Really proud of Peyton, his family, as as y'all know, covering uh, you know student athletes and watching their journey. Uh, these life changing type decisions are never necessarily an easy thing, uh, and uh, you know quite a journey uh, for uh, Peyton and his family. Again, incredibly proud that he chose the Sooners and and uh, they're just wonderful uh, people. Uh, you know Peyton. Um, brings a you know a very dynamic skill set you know tremendous instincts range speed uh, uh, just great great instincts uh, natural feel for the game he's a winner comes from you know one of the best high school programs uh, in the country at Denton Geyer and uh, you know so he's going to bring a, a wealth of experience uh, playing at a very high level uh, from a competition standpoint and he's a humble hardworking guy. Um, uh, you know, from a symbolic standpoint, you know, you know, we have our our poker chips that we 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 hand out to guys, and uh, I guess you know, as Michael tell you, and as you all that cover recruiting, uh, it's a can be a very strenuous, uh, you know, long process, and you know, it literally is a race, and you want to run the race to win. Winning is what it's about, uh, but you gotta you gotta run those race, uh, you know, those races with endurance. So that's. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, you know, just really excited to add another dynamic piece to to what we're trying to build. You know, on both sides of the ball, but obviously Peyton in the return game and on defense in particular. There you go, Brent on uh, Peyton Bowen again at, from the press conference today out at the Cheez It Bowl, and that is our Ortho Central clip of the day right here on Steely and Thune at noon. Ortho Central has clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a new Tri City. Location as well, serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics, what do they do? They treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries, and they are the very best. That is our Ortho Central clip of the day. Uh, a couple other news and notes. Uh, no Marcus Major. He's been in a boot. So, Parker, it looks like this is the Javante Barnes, uh, Gavin Sawchuk show down in Orlando. Yeah, we get to see what the new blood's got, and we've seen plenty of Javante Barnes. We haven't really seen a whole lot of Gavin Sawchuk. I want to say offhand he only has two carries this season. So Sawchuk, a guy that many are going to be excited to see in an expanded role. I don't know how you can not be excited about the guy. Uh, We've heard coach after coach mention that Sawchuk is among the absolute fastest players, if not the fastest player on the entire roster so speed is his calling card i would imagine you're going to see a lot more barnes than sawchuck tomorrow just based on the experience factor and just based on the overall skill set and the profile of a bell cow back that javante barnes possesses but man gavin sawchuck's one of those dudes that is a threat to take into the house no matter when he touches the ball and so if he gets seven, eight touches tomorrow. I can guarantee you all seven or eight of those touches, uh, most everybody on the Florida State sideline is going to be holding their breath because 
It's a guy that can make anybody miss in open space in the open field, and you're not going to run him down if he gets behind you. So very excited to see what the youngster from Colorado brings to the table tomorrow. But it is about Javante Barnes more so than anything else at the end of the day, and this is a guy that has seen workhorse duty at times this season. I think back to that game against TCU in particular, where he was kind of the lone bright spot, cracked 100 yards for the first time in his young collegiate career. But now, with no Eric Gray and no Marcus Major, he really does get the opportunity to be the feature back, if only for one game. So, interested to see how he stewards that additional responsibility, but you can expect a lot of Barnes, I would figure, in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 carries at the least tomorrow. You'll see some Gavin Sawchuck. More than likely, you'll see some Tawi Walker as well. Brevin's also asked about uh, the wide receiver coaching position, which is occupied right now by L.D. Washington. And uh, basically, you know, Brent talked uh, glowingly about the job that L.D. Washington has done this year, pressed into kind of a tough spot after the Kale Gundy situation went down. But really, there, there wasn't like an answer as to what they're going to do. How did you read that overall? I mean, Brent said what any head coach has to say in that circumstance, right? He has to leave everything on the table, and he can't eliminate any possibilities. And at this point, just based on the way that this thing has gone down over the past month or so with regard to the wide receiver position on the staff, I would imagine L.D. Washington gets the full-time gig. Uh a lot of the buzz behind the scenes about, you know, a Rashad Samples or a Malcolm Kelly has died down. Uh, Samples now on staff at Arizona State. It's becoming increasingly clear that Malcolm Kelly's not going anywhere, especially after he landed JoJo Earl at TCU. And the Horned Frogs are going to do what they can financially to make sure that Kelly never has any reason to leave. He's a very valued member of the puzzle there on that staff. So uh, here's the thing. As I look across the country at some of the capable wide receivers coaches that Oklahoma could theoretically make a play for, I question how many guys are still on the board, still you would consider ostensibly available, that would be a surefire upgrade over L.D. Washington, who is young, who is charismatic, who's a good recruiter, well-respected among his players, played the position at a very high level, I think has he has a very bright future as, as a positional coach, and everybody has to start somewhere, right? So I understand why people are apprehensive about L.D. Washington's first on-field role coming at the University of Oklahoma, but I also think those aren't apprehensions that can't be remedied by something as simple as a big win on the recruiting trail. That's what happened with Miguel Chavis, wasn't it? Now, Miguel Chavis came in, and when he was the first announced addition to Brent Venable's new staff at Oklahoma, everybody was sitting there. I would say most people were sitting there wondering, who on earth is this guy, and what makes him qualified to coach defensive ends at the University of Oklahoma? Well, a few months later, you land P.J. Adabare, you land Colton Vosick, even if only briefly. Get a really nice late eval in a guy like Taylor Wine to add to the class, and Moreover, his activity on social media really got the fan base bought into Miguel Chavis. I think the same could be true for L.D. Washington down the line. So if he is the long-term receivers coach at the University of Oklahoma, that's not something I would be sweating. 
All right, real quick, right before we go to a break, off the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 918, what's up? Are there any of the January enrollees in the bowl trip? Yes, Derek LeBlanc, Caleb Hicks, uh, Champ Sanders, and uh, Chapman McCown, the preferred walk-on, are all out there in Orlando with the team. All right, break time. By the way, our first hour, as always, brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. That's 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. They will do great work for you, no doubt about it. Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. We've got Parker in Orlando with a Sooner's kick with Florida State tomorrow at four thirty. Connor Pasby at Mission Control today, and you guys on the text line, keep it right here. We'll talk more Sooners and the Knowles when we get back right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref. We are back. It is Steelman and Thune on the home of Sooner fans. Wednesday edition. Good to have you with us. And you can always hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405 651 3439. We got Parker in Orlando. We'll also hook up uh, Jesse Crittenden on the Riverwind Casino hotline coming up at 135 today. I understand he and uh, Ryan Aber had a tough trip to Orlando. We'll talk to him about that and about this matchup coming up between the Sooners and the Knowles tomorrow at 430. Mike Norvell, uh, the Florida State head coach, was in, it uh, looked like he was in trouble. He certainly turned things around. Florida State coming in 9 and 3 angling to win a 10th game with a victory over the Sooners coming up tomorrow, and they're the favorites in this matchup by nine and a half. Here's Mike Norvell talking about Dylan Gabriel, the Sooner quarterback. And when you watch film, you see an, an unbelievable competitor. Uh, you know, Dylan is, is special in, in so many ways, just the playmaking ability. Uh, you can make you know, so many throws on the field. You know, he's, he's, he's athletic. He evades, you know, he evades, uh, um, you know, you challenging situations and be able to extend plays and just uh, like I said you know he's a great playmaker and um, you know it's going to be a great challenge for for our defense and uh, you know being able to try to to make him uncomfortable to be able to try to to, to get him off rhythm but uh, you know, even in that some of some of the best plays that show up uh, are when he's in those situations so uh, yeah, they got a very talented receiving core um, you know it is a uh, this is a, a very explosive offense and you've seen that against a variety of different defenses uh, where they've been able to produce and produce at a very high level so uh, you know Dylan's a wonderful player and uh, you know it's it's going to be a great challenge for us. Mike Norvell, the Florida State coach. Again, uh, Florida State favored by nine and a half in this matchup tomorrow in the Cheez-It Bowl. So, Parker, uh, on a scale of one to ten in terms of facing an uphill battle tomorrow, how difficult is this challenge, you think, for OU? I mean, it's probably a six or seven. It's a winnable game, but it's a game in which they're going to have to play very well and very cleanly if they want to come out on top. And Florida State has weapons, right? You look at Jordan Travis at the quarterback position, Johnny Wilson out on the edge, a six foot seven receiver. Uh, that's going to be a tall task, no pun intended, for any of these Sooner defensive backs to match up against. And so Florida State can beat you on offense, they can beat you on defense. They're a fundamentally sound team. They ha- Here's my big thing, Steely. This is the thing that I've come to realize about this Florida State program. They've figured out how to win. By hook or by crook, they have figured out how to win football games. And, of course, the narrative for Oklahoma in 2022 has been much the opposite, right? The Sooners have found a way to lose a lot of these close football games that they've been in. And so when it comes to the art of winning, that's what worries me most about 
Oklahoma matching up with these Seminoles is that you look at Florida State's schedule in 2022 over the course of the regular season, they didn't really blow anybody out, but they hung with everybody, even even in their losses. All three of their losses came in back-to-back weeks to three very capable opponents in North Carolina State, Wake Forest, and Clemson, and none of those losses were by more than 10 points. So even in their losses... They hung in there with opponents. They found a way to win nine football games, which is a steep, steep upgrade from what they did over the course of Mike Norvell's first two years at the helm at Florida State. We were talking about this guy maybe being on the hot seat as recently as four months ago, Steely, and how quickly has he turned things around? Yeah, no doubt. And uh, FSU, you know, the officials there, they they showed patience with Mike Norvell, and it now looks like that program is moving back in the right direction for sure. Yeah, and that's that's been the, the issue for Oklahoma. I mean, you think about some of these games down the stretch. Should have won in Morgantown. Should have won in Lubbock. And you – you know, all of a sudden, you're looking at 8-4, and four, and there's a lot less pressure on this Oklahoma team, you know, in this matchup tomorrow because, you know, 6-6, six and six, uh, that is the very description of average right there. And uh, you don't want to have your first losing season since 1998. You lose this bowl game. Uh, you know, I'm not sure we'll, we'll hear what Bob Stoops had to say and what Brent had to say about how important a win is. And, and obviously a win is big. You want to go there low, you play to win the game. But, you know, I, I think this narrative out there like, man, if Oklahoma loses this game, wow, you know, all momentum is lost. I don't necessarily believe that. But certainly you would love to put this in the win column, get your seventh win. You know, you've got a really good recruiting class coming in. You've got good players coming in from the portal so far that you're hoping probably going to add to. Uh, you know, so you, of course you want to win the game. But I don't think it's like life or death if they, they don't put this in the win column. No, I don't think that either, Steely. And I think that entire narrative is somewhat overblown, right? So the difference between 7-6 and six and 6-7 six and seven feels substantial because – one is a winning record, and one is a losing record, right? But you look at this matchup on paper, Florida State has a lot of their horses still available for this game, including a guy in Jared Verse at the defensive end position who may end up being a first-round draft pick this coming April. Meanwhile, Oklahoma has no Eric Ray. They have no Jalen Redmond. They got no Wanye Morris, no Anton Harrison. They're not at 100% in terms of the availability of their studs. And that's another aspect of this game in which Florida State has the upper hand. So I don't think anybody should be holding Oklahoma to a particularly high set of expectations in this game. you got to have realistic evaluation of what this team is versus what the opponent is. And the reality is, this is not to say there's a 0% chance Oklahoma wins this football game because, again, I think there's a world in which the Sooners pull one over on Florida State. But top to bottom... Right now, today, December 28th, 2022, Florida State has a better football program, a better roster, top to bottom, than Oklahoma does. Yeah, no doubt. And we've talked about Jordan Travis. We've talked about uh, the Godzilla-sized wide receiver, Johnny Wilson. We talked about, you You mentioned him, 6'7", about 235, 240 pounds. I mean, you think he's difficult to, to cover. And then, uh, you know, Jared Verse on on the defensive line might be the best player on the field. I think the NFL people would say that right now anyway. So Oklahoma, you know, uh, I'm not saying this is a classic, great Florida State roster, but they are better equipped right now, certainly with Oklahoma's opt-outs in this bowl game uh, 
to win it than Oklahoma is. But that's not to say the Sooners couldn't put together a great game plan, a great effort, get some turnovers, and go win this football game. All right, 405-651-3439 of the Air Cover Solutions text line. Parker, are you going to ask the coach about staff changes, and will he resort to name-calling? A clear, oh, shot at, a clear shot at Mike Gundy last night. Did you – Tell me you have a couple audio cut-ups in the works, you know, here, here's Tell me the, we're going to get to that. That audio was so bad that I decided not to air it. It's so bad. But if you didn't see it, and most everybody has by now because it was uh, retweeted. You didn't but, come up with any steely originals no, to mock Mike Gundy? I probably should have, but here's the deal. It was Mike Gundy obviously was upset. They lose the uh, – the guaranteed rate ball to Wisconsin, twenty-four to seventeen. It was it was the run game, by the way, because the Badgers ran for two hundred fifty-eight yards and Oklahoma State ran for like fifty. And uh, time of possession, Wisconsin had it thirty-eight minutes, Oklahoma State twenty-two. So Wisconsin wins twenty-four to seventeen. After the game, Marshall Scott of uh, Pistols Firing asked Mike Gundy, "Hey, Mike, I've got to ask the question. Do you anticipate any staff changes?" And Gundy said, basically, you know what? I'm not going to talk about that. Do you think I'm going to answer that here at the podium? We're talking about people's families here. Don't be an ass. We need to, you know, he basically threatened to yank his credentials. He uh, did. Yeah, in a roundabout way. And I understand that Mike Gundy, he's not going to answer that question. But at the same time, I, I think where he definitely went over the line is when he said, basically, well, we, we'll just take away your credential if we have to. You know, that to me, um, you know, Mike Gundy gets paid multi-million dollars. That's part of the deal. You have to answer some tough questions. Uh, was it asked in the best situation? Probably not. Better to ask that one-on-one maybe. But who knows? You maybe don't have a one-on-one opportunity to do that, Parker. You know how it goes. Well, and he, that, that's the reality of it, Steely, is – if Marshall doesn't ask that question, I've, and I've been in his shoes as a reporter, right, because if there are questions that aren't asked, the fans will get on you for it. Oh, yeah. yeah. They'll go to the message boards. They'll say, why is our media pay, playing patty cake with the coaching staff? Why are they not challenging them and asking them the tough questions about accountability? And so as a reporter, you got to do your job, right? And sometimes you have to ask or uncomfortable questions in uncomfortable circumstances. And how hard is it if you're Mike Gundy to just say, you know what, obviously this season is not what we expected it to be. We're going to evaluate everything from the top down. That starts with me. We're going to leave no stone unturned, and that starts tomorrow. It can be some stock company line that doesn't contain any substance, but people are going to be satisfied with it. That's all you have to say. You don't have to come after the reporter. And that, to me, that that's why the criticism of Mike Gundy has become so ubiquitous over the last couple of years is because at times it feels like he's on a power trip, and at times it feels like he is leveraging the reality that he has infinite amounts of job security at Oklahoma State, and he will always be revered there. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly much more evident that he feels that way after, uh, you know, Mike Holder is was gone, was out as the uh, – he and Chad Weiberg have a better, rep, uh, you know, relationship. There's no doubt about it. And it did feel like, man, uh, you know, again, when you threaten basically to yank a credential, that, that shows that – yeah, that's that's a little uh, little much. 
The the attitude, what was the one? There was one down about the media, if you'll scroll down a little bit. The anti-media movement has made it fashionable to attack any reporter for asking a legitimate question. Uh, there was only one jerk in Gundy's exchange, but he's ever, never had an ounce of class. Anyway, why is he so easily offended? Well, I understand, you know, it's been a tough uh, period for Mike Gundy. You talk about the guys they, they're losing in the portal, Spencer Sanders, Dom Richardson, Braylon Presley, Trace Ford, Mason Cobb. And, you know, they, they, didn't, they weren't able to put their best foot forward in that ballgame. Neither was Wisconsin, though. And Wisconsin wins the game 24-17. to I, Again, I don't expect Mike Gundy to answer that question. But as Parker said, you can make an easy exit out of that and not threaten to yank the guy's credential, basically. That's the only major problem I had uh, with that exchange. I would play the audio, but the audio to me is so weak. Basically, he said, you know, you, you really think I'm going to answer that question up here? Don't be an ass. You know, we're talking about people's families. We need to look at, you know, your credential uh, situation, basically, is how Mike Gunny responded to it. All right, let's break right here. 405-651-3439. They're lighting up the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Appreciate that. We've got Jesse Crittenden coming up in an hour. We've got Parker in Orlando. Mike Steely, along with Connor Pasby here in the Brown O'Haver Studios on a Wednesday. Let's talk more college football. What else when we get back right here on The Ref? Back with you. Here we are, Mike Steely, here in the Brown O'Haver Studios, along with Connor Pasby. We've got Parker in Orlando, Sooners and the Knowles of Florida State tomorrow, 4.30 on ESPN. We have bowl games uh, going on today. UCF and Duke are underway uh, here in about uh, 20 minutes in the Military Bowl in Annapolis, Maryland, Kansas, and Arkansas. Two 6-6 six six teams going at it 4.30 on ESPN in the Liberty Bowl, Oregon, and North Carolina. will be on Fox at 7 o'clock tonight. The Holiday Bowl in Trangle and uh, Texas Tech and Ole Miss will play in the Texas Bowl in Houston tonight at 8 o'clock. All right, 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's get back there. Reporters need to hold reporters accountable. You aren't victims. What? What? Did anybody say that we were victims? I don't think so. Um, I, I think that the uh, the only big issue I had, here's where a reporter would hold a reporter accountable. Let's give you an example. Marshall Scott asking the question for pistols firing. Do I think it was the best spot to ask that question? No, because Mike, Mike Gundy, 99% guaranteed he's not going to go yeah you know we're thinking about getting rid of this guy and bringing in that guy or he's even he's probably not even going to say anything like yeah well they're probably going to be some 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 some, uh, changes mate geez uh too much energy drink but if somebody goes out there grandstanding and wanting to ask a question to call attention to themselves their blog their tv station or whatever you know what that situation is all about i don't know what um you know i don't think marshall scott was doing that last night Parker, give me an example again, uh, because I don't think Marshall Scott is a victim at all. I don't think, look, we're sports reporters. We're asking about a freaking game, all right? We're not, ta- we're not asking a general about collateral damage in a war or something like that, or, you know, a parent after losing somebody in a natural disaster as a news reporter uh, or whatever. You know what I mean? We're just asking sports questions. 
And again, I just think the the main the only major issue I had with it was Mike Gundy basically pulling a little bit of a power trip and basically saying, you know what, I could take away your credential if if I really wanted to. Well, he's not. I, I... Marshall's not asking Mike Gundy to sit there on the podium and fire anybody, right? Like he's not saying, "Yeah, you're gonna." You're, uh, he, the answer he's expecting is not, "Yeah, we're gonna let go of Casey Dunn." Yeah, we're gonna reevaluate Derek Mason's position on the staff. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll take a look at the strength room with Rob Glass. No, he's not looking for you to name names. He just wants you to acknowledge, and everybody wants you to acknowledge that this season at Oklahoma State did not live up to expectations and that people are going to be held accountable, whether that results in staff changes or not. Yeah, and, and look, if Marshall Scott had said, Mike, the fans are you know pretty upset, uh, are you going to fire anybody like they want you to? Or if he had framed it like that or something, then that would be somebody, I think, that was trying to call attention to their question and the response. I think he was just asking a uh, a legit question there. So anyway, yeah, I, I mean, very few reporters are victims in in any situation, particularly not uh, sports reporters, because after all, we're covering games, um, not real life tragedies or anything like that. Okay, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Gundy got what he wanted. The focus was on him being a jerk, not his team, and the quarterback's performance. I don't know. Who knows? All all I know is uh, it's been a rough uh, month or so for Mike Gundy. I mean, Oklahoma State went from looking – remember they had TCU on the ropes in that game, and they were looking like, you know, they could be a team that could win the league. They got a bunch of injuries, and uh, things aren't going well. Mike Gundy's been all about great culture at Oklahoma State. For the most part, he's had that. But now you've got all these guys leaving for the portal with Spencer Sanders, Trace Ford, Mace Cobb, Braylon Presley, Dominic Richardson. And that's that's a little bit of a blow to uh, the, the Gundy approach with those guys leaving. So I think, you know, Mike Gundy clearly has been frustrated in the situation just, I thought, got a little bit out of control. Okay, uh, anything going on in the portal, Parker? I mean, yeah, stuff's going on in the portal. As far as Oklahoma's concerned, no, not really, because everybody's down in Orlando prepping for the bowl, right? And so the priority right now is Florida State. And in the words of Jalen Hurts, the Sooners are keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, come Friday, things may open up a little bit, and maybe there will be more meat on that bone. But as of right now, no, there's nothing, nothing new to update folks on. No one cares about media, Gundy, or OSU and Norman. Please move on. All right, 405, please shut up. You've never done this. We have. All right, we know what we're doing. Give me a break. All right, let's take a break here in a minute. Well, we've got a couple minutes anyway. Uh, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Um, What are you thinking about you guys looking at players, you know, that OU fans want to see that could be big contributors in this game because of the way the roster has shaken out. Uh, to me, I'm looking at the three J's. Um, the obvious one is Javante Barnes and Jaron Kanick, and I'm looking at Jaden Gibson as well. What do you think? Yeah, I, Javante Barnes instantly springs to mind, as does Gavin Sawchuk. I, I'll be interested to see how much run Grayson Halton gets. 
because with as thin as Oklahoma has become on the interior defensive line, I wonder if Halton, who has primarily played defensive end to this point, gets a little bit of run on the interior because uh, he's a player that the coaching staff really, really likes. And he played in 11 games this year. So the trust is there. He's seen some situational snaps and some crucial moments throughout the season for Oklahoma. So, again, there is confidence in Grayson Halton. I'm going to be real eager to see what an expanded role could look like for him. And then I wonder how much of Gavin Freeman we see, because people people tend to forget about that guy for whatever reason. But over the course of the year, especially in the latter half of the season, his snap count just increased and increased and increased and increased. So maybe he's a guy that nobody's talking about yet that is due for a big pole game performance. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that uh, OU fans have wanted to see more of Jaron Canick, and he played a pretty a pretty good share of snaps, but it's almost like they wanted to see you know double the amount for this kid. Jaden Gibson intrigues people because of his size. Nick Anderson the same way. Brian in Tulsa, yes, talking about Nick Anderson. I think they want to see him as well. But, uh, you know, I think the fact that uh, people are familiar with Javante Barnes, uh, they will be excited to see him, you know, in there as the main running back, even though you'd love to have Eric Gray in there. But the other part, uh, Gavin Sawchuk, we've seen so little of him, and you talked about his breakaway speed that, um, you know, I think there'll be some people that will be wanting to see how Gavin Sawchuk fares, uh, you know, with the carries that he gets coming up tomorrow at 430. All right, we get a break right here. By the way, 405, see, here's the deal. You said nobody cares about the media, Gundy, or OSU and Norman. There are these things. They're called satellites and network affiliates. We're just not in Norman anymore, all right? We're like around uh, – have you heard, you know, what um, – like Tyler talking about, yeah, well, they're listening in London or somewhere in Scotland or whatever. There's this thing. It's called digital media, and satellites actually beam you other places around the world. It is 20, almost 2023. That's how it works now. We're not just, you know, on on uh, Alameda Street in Norman anymore. All right, we're going to take a break right here. Come back. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. If you need your furnace tuned up, uh, Tim Lasher and his company, great place to call, 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. OU's all-time record versus FSU 5 and 0. No, it's 6 and 1. They lost in the Gator Bowl in the mid 60s. So that's the only loss 405 to uh, Florida State for Oklahoma was back in the mid 60s in the Gator Bowl. Other than that, 6 and 1 uh, against FSU and of course uh, the time they beat FSU in uh, in the 2000 uh, Orange Bowl, they obviously were crowned national champions with that 13 to 2 victory. All right, we'll be right back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, and uh, Connor Pasby with you on a Wednesday edition right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, we are uh, back to wrap up hour number one. We've got another hour to go. Jesse Crittenden will join us from Orlando, also coming up at 135 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Speaking of our friends at Riverwind, they are awesome. Over 2,800 electronic games. All the best games, including your favorite table games, not just the electronic gaming machines. Best bars and dining, the Coop Ale House Bar, the bar there in Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant. Amazing, great dining as well. The River Buffet is awesome. 
Uh, Friday night, you have steak night, Saturday night, seafood night, a great brunch on Sunday, big-time hotel, best service as well. Uh, great poker room. They have great, great promotions like the new member seven, where when you sign up for a new wild card at Riverwind, you can earn up to $450 in one day. They are only, I say only, giving away $165,000 in cash bonus play and prizes on New Year's Eve. They've also got a great promotion happening called the Showdown in the Desert, where they're giving away five trips to the 2023 Super Bowl for those players who earn the most points on their wild cards playing specific uh, gaming machines out at Riverwind Casino. Five trips to the 2023 Super Bowl, game tickets, obviously, airfare, accommodation, spending money. It's all there for you in the showdown in the desert promotion. Another reason why our friends at Riverwind Casino really are simply the best. All right. I think Burt Reynolds played for FSU the last time they beat us, says Gunny of Stutzman Army on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know for sure that's about the time that Burt Reynolds was there. His roommate was Lee Corso at Florida State, by the way. Lee Corso has talked about that, that Burt Reynolds uh, attracted some fairly attractive ladies back in his day. He was a very handsome man, of course, Burt Reynolds. So Lee Corso, you know, a very smart man back in the day. He, he always said basically he was uh, Burt, Burt's uh, wingman back in the day. Fred Bolitnikoff might have been on that squad as well, who was a uh, Hall of Fame receiver, obviously, for the Oakland Raiders back in the day as well. Okay, Parker, any other uh, storylines for you out there besides the obvious X's and O's game matchup stuff uh, out there in Orlando? Oh, man, that's very broad, Steely. I, to me – how does this Oklahoma defense close? And that's something that I don't know if we've talked about a whole heck of a lot leading up to this matchup. Much has been made of the backfield situation, Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk, uh, the loss of Eric Gray, the lack of Marcus Major in the fold. But I don't know if we're talking about this Oklahoma defense as much as we should be because they've had their ups and downs. Uh, many would say they've had more downs than ups. Uh, Ted Roof has taken some flack. But now they have the opportunity to end the season on a really bright note or a really dissonant note, depending on how they can cope with Jordan Travis and this Florida State attack. So I I am curious to see what kind of momentum the defense can garner in the early stages of this football game, because if there's one thing we know about this team, Steely, it's that when they get down on themselves, things tend to spiral out of control. And we've seen that. We've seen that manifest itself time and time again over the course of this 2022 campaign for OU. And so can the Sooners start strong, and can they stay consistent defensively? They don't got to play elite ball on defense, I don't think, to beat Florida State. But they can't beat themselves as they have time and time again. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, they, they haven't responded to adversity very well. When things start going the wrong way for OU, they tend to keep going that way. And that's part of the maturation process of this roster. Uh, some of that's on the coaches. Some of it's on the players. Some of it's on, you know, just uh, they haven't been able to create a lot of Sooner Magic plays. There's been a lot of Sooner Tragic this year instead of Sooner Magic. You know what I'm saying? But um, we'll see. And as you mentioned earlier, the one thing that FSU has managed to do is win some of these tight games. And that's what this team is going to have to learn to do, whether it's this game or next season. 
because then you get in those situations, you're a lot more comfortable. You're going to make a play to win the game instead of doing something wrong to lose the game. And the Sooners too often did that this year. Any other thoughts on what's going on with, with Marvin Mims? I still am a believer that Dylan Gabriel is coming back. I would be extremely shocked if that did not happen. But Marvin Mims seems like it's uh, more out there. I don't know if it's a coin flip or not, but uh, are we hearing anything new on Marvin Mims? And when do you think that decision might happen? Say, I still I still feel that Marvin Mims will return, and I would expect that you'll have a decision pretty soon after the bowl game because generally most of these guys have their minds made up. You think back to somebody like Delarian Turner-Yell last year after the Alamo Bowl. He had his announcement up within 48 hours, and so – for Mims, for C.J. Colden as well, I expect that we will know definitively not too long after this bowl game wraps up whether they will be back in an Oklahoma uniform in 2023. I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards yes for Mims and no for Colden. Okay, real quick, I'll let you answer this one. Uh, Joe in Tulsa says he wants to see Jaden Rowe, 6'3", 4'4", and 215 pounds. Is he still playing corner, or does he move to safety or backer? What do you think, Parker? Long-term, I don't know, man. And I don't think you have to know with a guy like Jaden Rowe. You can move him around next spring, uh, see where he fits best, and go from there. But uh, I, I don't believe he will play in this football game, uh, to my knowledge. Uh, he's battled injury over the course of the season to date. And I believe he is one of several Sooners that are unavailable. That list also includes Marcus Major, includes Andrew Rame. Uh, so I, I, don't, I, I don't anticipate Jaden Rowe playing tomorrow from what I know at this point. But in the long term, man, I, I don't really know where that guy fits because he can, he can pretty much fit anywhere. He could be the fastest edge rusher of all time if you put 15 pounds on him, but he just as easily could cut five pounds and be a truly elite cornerback at six foot two, 215 pounds because he is he has elite speed, sub 10-3 in the 100-meter dash, and he is a Swiss Army knife, the best kind of Swiss Army knife for Brent Venables and his defensive staff. All right, uh, let's get ready to get to a timeout wrap-up hour number one. want to thank Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. We have Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, coming to us from Orlando on the Riverwind Casino Hotline at 135 next hour. Stay with us on The Ref. We got children talking right outside my door. Welcome back, everybody. It is a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune. Good to have you with us. And uh, we're going to be here with you until uh, we get locked in at 2 o'clock here with uh, Tyler and uh, Parker. Coming up again uh, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Real quick, what's the one about Burt Reynolds? Somebody, I think, did the Burt Reynolds research. Burt Reynolds was at FSU in 1954, guarantee. He was on no team that could touch Wilkinson's monster in the 50s. By 65, he was a bit – oh, he was on Gunsmoke at that time. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I guess, you know, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So – uh, Burt would have been there before that Seminole team beat Oklahoma in the Gator Bowl back in the, I think it was the 63 Gator Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. But thanks for the info. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
Sometimes the old man doesn't have a clue. You know what I'm saying? All right, uh, 405-651-3439 of the Air Coverage Solutions text line, our uh, number two. As always, uh, brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Seth Wadley Ford in Paul's Valley, exit 72. Cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles, you name them, they've got them, and they've got a great guarantee as well. Oil changes and engines for life on any purchase. Uh, from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. So uh, no additional cost to you. They will replace, again, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That is a great, great guarantee. Okay, before we get back to the text line, and uh, we got Parker with us in Orlando, uh, the narrative again that, man, Oklahoma's got to win this game to get some momentum going into next season. And, look, I believe there is truth in that. There's no doubt you'd love to win this game. And, Get a good feeling going into spring and everything else. But is it just kind of the lazy first narrative that you can think of to an extent? So let's hear from Bob Stoops first. He was on uh, the rush yesterday right here on the ref and was asked again, does a W really help OU for next season? Sure it does. Um, I think winning it just makes the out-of-season feel better. I don't think losing it necessarily derails anything because um, it's, you know, the season's gone. I've always said it each year is its own thing. Um, it just makes it, gives you a little better, you know, taste in your mouth here for the next month or so. But like you said, once you're, once you're in winter conditioning and spring ball comes around, it's a whole new deal and everyone knows it. And, uh, you know, but it, it just makes the, the tough months of the year, this uh, February, March, and April, a little better. Hello, you want play to win the game, Herm Edwards. There's no doubt about it. Let's hear how Brent Venables answered that question at the presser today in Orlando for the Cheese It Bowl about, uh, again, how much momentum can Oklahoma take if they put this in the win column? Does a win actually help move the program forward? Yeah, I mean, just go back and look at history. Uh, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, uh, Oklahoma played Clemson in 2014 in this bowl game. Uh, they did not win uh, that game, but then the very next year they go back to the playoffs in 2015. So it doesn't have to have anything to do with it. Uh, again, as we said before, this is a season of its own, but you're always trying to create momentum, uh, the rock effect, if you will, you know, and positivity and, uh, you know, belief, all of those things. And so... Uh, you know, this is an opportunity to do exactly that. It's going to be tough for the Sooners to get this done. They're a nine-and-a-half-point underdog, Parker Thune. I, I think, you know, if you set your expectations, the the main thing that I would look at is to see how some of these young, future, big contributors for Oklahoma play on a bigger stage in this game. Then, you know, obviously, if you can get the W on top of, uh, on top of that, that's that's awesome. But I think seeing how some of these young guys perform again when they're getting bigger loads like Javante Barnes, Jerry Cannon, guys like that, that to me is what I'm going to be looking at most tomorrow. Yeah, I would agree with you, Steely, and I think most fans are probably in that same boat, you know, especially with Florida State an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. If you lose, fine, but it's one thing to lose with a bunch of fifth and sixth year seniors taking every single snap to the final whistle. Guys that, uh, you know, not to throw anybody under the bus, but guys like Justin Broyles and Trey Morrison, right, that have come under some fire for their performance at uh, this point in the season and that uh, 
at this point in their career, at this juncture, you know what they are, right? And they're they're average football players. And so I think it's one thing to lose in that fashion, but it's another thing if, despite the loss, you get a bunch of experience and a bunch of snaps for some of these guys that have really bright futures at the University of Oklahoma and that people are excited to see in action, right? Robert Spears Jennings comes to mind. Jaden Gibson certainly comes to mind. How much run can you get these freshmen, even if it is in a losing effort? Because win or lose, I think that's what most everybody is going to be most interested to see, is how do these young guns perform? Yeah, and uh, so there you go, 972 talking about he is asking how much will uh, Robert Spears Jennings play? We don't know, but we think he's going to be in there for a significant amount of snaps, I would think, wouldn't you? Whatever you I would think so. Yeah, well, and, you know, it kind of depends on your definition there. But, uh, yeah, I would expect you see plenty of Robert Spears Jennings. I would expect that you see plenty of Gentry Williams as well on the defensive side of the ball. I would hope you see more Jaron Canick than you have to this point in the year. Um, there will be an increased effort, I would assume, to get these guys some additional run. Uh, and see what they have to offer in expanded playing time. And I think that rings particularly true on the defensive side of the ball, where most fans these days, uh, when you look at how the 2022 season has transpired, they're just ready for the status quo to change, whatever that looks like. Uh-oh, Kendall's coming out, shotguns blasting. Ladies and gentlemen, are you guys seriously giving, treating this game? Are you guys seriously treating this game? Like Dan Mullen did, I'll be disappointed if OU doesn't win the game. Of course, people will be disappointed. I'm just saying sometimes expectations are, uh, you know, it depends. Uh, believe me, no OU fan's going to go, great, man, Jaron Canick made eight tackles and we lost 49-3 to or whatever. That's not going to be how it plays out. But And Dan Mullen, of course, was, uh, first of all, he's a jerk, and secondly, Mr. Excuses after the game, uh, after the Sooners lit him up in the Cotton Bowl. And, of course, they did have uh, a lot of guys out in that game, including the best uh, tight end of the country that year. But, no, I I don't think – are you treating this game like a Dan Mullen Cotton Bowl game? Parker, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I am Steely. I've said I think Florida State wins the game, but mm-hmm. I'm by no means conceding it. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. Steely, I know you're a fan of BB and staff, uh, and you believe they will turn this thing around. What year did see you actually see this happening and coming together to where we are possibly? Uh, talking a playoff team. I I think, you know, next year if you win eight or nine, that's progress. And you bring in another top-notch recruiting class on top of the one you just brought in, you know. And, I, Parker, you think 2024 could have, again, be just as good, if not better, correct? I, I do. I think you're two years out if everything goes down the way that this coaching staff wants and expects it to i think that you're two years out from having a legit playoff contender i think next year there are going to be some strides that you have to make but you look ahead to 2024 and at that point a lot of these young pups will be dogs jackson arnold's 
will take the reins by 2024 at the absolute latest. I mean, look, the guy's going to push Dylan Gabriel for the starting job next year. He will. I don't know how successful that push will be. I don't know how willing Jeff Lebby is going to be to throw a true freshman to the Wolves like that. But in 2024, it's Jackson Arnold's show. And Jackson Arnold is a quarterback that can win you a national championship. He can. And in this era of college football, a quarterback, and this has always been the case. I shouldn't make it exclusive to this era. But it's always been the case that you need more than a quarterback to win a championship. So the Sooners are going to have to put it together on defense. They're going to have to improve in that regard. They're going to have to have a strong running game. By that point, Barnes and Sawchuck will both be juniors. 2024, as things stand today, has the opportunity to be a very intriguing year of Sooner football if it all comes together. And I'm thinking like year three for Brent because he'll be going to the 12-team playoff, you know. Um, and I, I think that, you know, you – Looks like Oklahoma will be in the SEC, but you need to be contending for playoff spots uh, that year. And next year, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't think about winning the Big 12 or whatever. You absolutely, you're Oklahoma. You always set goals that high. But I, I think, uh, you know, nine wins next year, I think, uh, would be really good. And uh, if they could get to double bit digits, that would be awesome. Uh, possible and awesome, I think, if that happened. So we'll see, uh, you know. But I do believe in this coaching staff, there's no doubt. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. How is it possible for OU to have a better record next year with the players that are leaving for the NFL or have no eligibility left and the young kids coming in? What do you think? It's chemistry, making a few plays in games that you didn't make last year. Uh, I mean, that's – look, and I don't mean to – take a dig at that one particular texture but that's a very shallow way of looking at it every single team loses players year over year right everybody loses players to the nfl everybody has guys graduate and so that could be an argument that you apply to literally any team across the country in any given year as well you're losing xyz players how can you possibly expect to be better next year well because you're you're Guys that stick around, your incumbents are going to have another offseason to dig in the system to improve. These guys are going to continue to develop under Schmitty physically. Get, get to know the, the schemes better, too, on both sides of the football, especially on the defense. The camaraderie, the familiarity with one another is going to grow. And so, yeah, you lose guys. And, yeah, especially when you look at somebody like Braden Willis or somebody like C.J. Colden, you're going to need somebody to step up if you want to be able to replace a guy like that one for one. But at a place like Oklahoma, you got a roster full of guys that can do it. Yeah, if you're recruiting well, you should have, no doubt. All right, 405-651-3439. South Dakota Sooner, I understand the question. Yes, I mean, it always looks like that. When particularly, you know, uh, last year, all the guys you lost on the defensive side of the ball, five guys in the NFL – uh, and you lose Caleb Williams, I think a lot of Sooner fans, and you lose Mario Williams and other people, uh, we're thinking, man, I, you know, it's going to be difficult to replace those guys. But sometimes it's all about time uh, with a new system. It's about growing with a new coaching staff. It's about chemistry, all of that stuff, you know, that can uh, have an effect. So, and again, I do think that, uh, you know, Oklahoma could have been, should have been 8-4 and four this year. They should have won West Virginia. They should have won in Lubbock. 
But again, they found ways to lose those games. Maybe next year you find ways to win them. You got to hope that's the case. All right, break time right here. And I uh, want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group at Paul's Valley. We've got Parker in Orlando, Cheese It Bowl kick time tomorrow, 4 30, televised on ESPN. And again, the Sooners are a nine and a half point underdog in this matchup against the Florida State Seminoles. All right, so let's take a quick break, come back, we'll get more text in. Uh, we do have an update. Everybody wants to know what's happening happening in the Military Bowl uh, in Annapolis, Maryland. You do have other – the Kansas-Arkansas matchup could be interesting today, 4.30 in the Liberty Bowl. Oregon and North Carolina out in San Diego. Uh, the Ducks and the Tar Heels, that is a Fox broadcast at 7 o'clock. And then Texas Tech and Ole Miss in the uh, Texas Bowl in Houston at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Break time right here. Come back. And again, we will get to more of your texts. And uh, we've got Jesse Crittenden at 135. That's all coming up next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, The Ref Radio Network. All right, Florida State is a nine-and-a-half point favorite against Oklahoma tomorrow, 430 kick in the Cheez-It Bowl. I will never call, it, call them Cheez-It crackers, by the way. They are just Cheez-Its. Who is the rival of the Cheez-Its in the snack world? Does the Cheez-It have a rival? Isn't there another cheesy snack that I'm forgetting about? Uh, Like Cheetos, maybe? No, it's Cheez-Its. I'm trying to think if there is another rival. Help us out, text line. Who is the biggest rival of the Cheez-It in the snack world? Now, I do like the uh, goldfish. Yes, Oklahoma Johnny. Goldfish is a goldfish versus Cheez-Its is the OU Texas of snack cracker cheesy rivalries. Right? Uh, somebody said cheese nips. Or cheese nips are cheese nips are out there, too. I would say, who is Cheez-Its Texas, though? Is it goldfish or cheese nips? One could be like Oklahoma State and one could be Texas. I don't know, Steely, but goldfish win for me. Goldfish, that is an elite snack. You guys have to answer the question, who is the real rival? Is it goldfish or cheese nips? Which one is Oklahoma State? Which one is Texas uh, in the rivalry with Cheez-Its? They're saying cheese nips, they think. So... There you go. All right. Goldfish are pretty unique, I feel like. Like, goldfish, I don't know if that's a direct mm-hmm. rivalry to the Cheez-It, just because goldfish are so unique. They're almost like they're their own category. Goldfish maybe belong in another conference, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're fishy, so they they need to be on a coast somewhere, like the ACC or the Pac-12, right? I suppose if that's how you want to look Although, at it. Although a lot of people are saying that uh, Texas is the goldfish. That's a cheesy analogy. I, I the What is the flavor of uh, Cheez-Its? That is it the Tabasco-flavored ones that are so good, too? They're pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. A goldfish are a standalone snack, says Sugar Shane in Newcastle. Yeah, we, we need to figure out who's in the cheesy conference and rate the conference is what we need to do. By the way, somebody asked in the Air Coverage Solutions text line, we're going to hear from Brent on Florida State here in one second. Steely, why don't you do the Charlton Heston shotgun blast of the week anymore or stuff like Robbie Stoops? I love that stuff. Well, number one, 
Uh, we wrote the script for the guy who voiced Charlton Heston, who's no longer available. Okay. Secondly, uh, the morning show, you have a little bit more leeway to do that kind of stuff. I'm not saying you can't have fun in this time slot. Uh, we try to, but there's a little more, you have a little more rope, you know, a little more slack, I think, in a morning show. That's kind of a morning show thing. But I could bring back Rob, Robbie Stoops. I've still got his number. We could bring him back every now and then. Better Cheddars. I need to Google him up because I don't know if I've had a better Cheddar. I need to see what the box looks like. Maybe I have. So that's the better answer to that cheddar, question. Mm-hmm. Better Cheddar sounds like something that you'd buy at, like, Sprouts. That sounds like the super health food version. Like, it's, it's probably like a quinoa cracker. You think so? Better cheddar, yeah, that just gives off health food vibes. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Is Uncle doing a segment tomorrow? Yes, seven thirty-five with T. Row and T. J. Seven thirty-five tomorrow. All right, let's hear from Brent Venables on this matchup with Florida State, and uh, I would say that Brent is pretty impressed with the opponent, the Florida State Seminoles. This is a season of its own, and this will be something that the players remember, you know, forever. So. Uh, again, proud of how we've handled our business and the opportunity to, again to uh, briefly give back to the community and keep the main thing the main thing, have the right perspective of what this thing's all about. And again, the matchup's going to be uh, a fantastic matchup. And again, Florida State's playing as well as anybody in college football uh, here the back half of the season. has had a terrific, uh, outstanding season, uh, an incredibly talented team. They're long and they're fast, incredibly explosive. Uh, Coach Norvell and his staff uh, deserve so much um, uh, praise for the way they've built the program the right way the last three years to see the growth, having intimate uh, familiarity with Florida State and the program, having competed against them for well over a decade now. Uh, just a wonderful job by them, you know, building the program. Their, their players have tremendous belief in what they're doing, great chemistry and cohesion. And uh, going to, again, be a great, great challenge uh, for the Sooners, you know, uh, tomorrow night. There you go. All right, Brent Venables uh, meeting the media today. He and Mike Norvell, the FSU head coach, had a joint press conference uh, early this morning. Okay, I've, I've had better cheddars. They're round, the better cheddars are. But uh, I don't know. I think in the uh, – I do think that the Cheez-It – might be the best program in the cheesy conference, in my opinion. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know better cheddars or, you, you think goldfish belong in another conference, though. So. Yeah, goldfish are elite. Goldfish are the Alabama of cheesy snacks. There you go. So, you, you say if they are in the playoff, maybe at different conferences, but the goldfish would win. Steely, bring back Gary Gibbs Rock and Roll Football Camp. Put an E for effort on the back of the helmet. There you go. There you go. I mean, that's going way back. That's like 90, 93 or so, uh, I believe, on Gary Gibbs Rock and Roll Football Camp back in the day. Okay, uh, 405-651-3439 for the 405. The Buffalo Wing Cheez-Its are the bomb. I will try... And to mention that, I've spent damn near 15 years thinking you did Charlton Heston voice. And no, that's that's not the voice I could do, Mike. Uh, but we did. We wrote that script and we faxed it off to L.A. This guy was a very talented, uh, you know, he was, he was trying to get into acting. He did voice work. He was really good. B- believe it or not, we also had way back in the day, 
Um, I'm drawing a blank on the guy who does John Madden and uh, Frank Caliendo. Before he got famous, he would come Frank on. Frank Yeah, we'd have him on like every two months or so, and he'd come on and do bits with us. And was that dude's really, a legend. Really a nice guy. Really a nice guy. Okay, um, Parker, be careful with with goldfish. What? Be careful with goldfish. What? Are they dangerous? I don't. Am okay. I eating radioactive Let's snacks see. or something? Here we go. Uh, somebody sent a. Uh, okay, can you can you click on that? Some people tend to be more sensitive to MSGs than others, and some of the side effects of the autolyzed yeast include headaches, nausea, sweating, and chest pain. Because of the high sodium and MSG to the wafer, goldfish crackers should only be consumed in limited amounts and should not form any part of a steady diet, according to somebody out there on the Internet. Eh. So I'll take my chances. If I die, I die. Goldfish. Least I'll die eating goldfish. M- eating goldfish got to be a decent way to go. But if you're going to die eating something, you can do better than a goldfish. I mean, well, like a I mean, hot sure, but... Sunday or something, right? What would you want to go out? What's your last meal? You're in Shawshank Redemption. You're getting ready to be fried in the electric chair. What are you requesting for your last meal? Oh, Texas Day Brazil, Steely. I'm going to sit in that restaurant, and I'm going to have them bring me meat on swords for hours on end. The Brazilian beef house plan is what you're talking yes. about. Those are pretty good, man. You you better be serious about eating when you go in there. I think I saw Barry Trammell at one time consume like 8,000 calories in a Brazilian beef house. Yeah, it's no joke, Steely. You go into a Brazilian steakhouse, you better be hungry. Yeah. I will tell you this, Barry Trammell, legendary writer, and a legendary eater as well. That man can put away some food. And he he loves going to a different restaurants. Cheetos entered the chat, says Sugar Shane. Cheetos, they're in a puffy a puffy conference, I think. You know, they're in a different league. Cheetos, cheese puffs, and cheese balls. It was at Cartman who wanted cheesy poofs all the time. Texas Day Brazil by a mile. Kendall agrees with you. So he likes that call. All right, Goldfish is not the Alabama, more like Ohio State. Pretty good, but not the best. All right, so there you go. Who is the Alabama of snack crackers? We're trying to figure that out. All right, break time. We've got uh, Jesse Crittenden coming up next. He's in Orlando. He took the circuitous route to Orlando. It was planes, trains, and automobiles, part two, apparently, for he and I think Ryan Aber. We'll talk to Jesse about that, get his take on the OU Florida State matchup. All that coming up next right here on The Ref. We are back. Jesse Crittenden joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline at 405-329-9000. Jesse, we appreciate it. All right, let's hear your planes, trains, and automobiles story. It seems like everybody on the OU beat has one uh, who tried to leave and get there early. What was it like for you guys trying to get to Orlando? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short, but we we were able to get out of Oklahoma City to St. Louis. I was traveling with uh, Ryan Aber from the Oklahoma, and we were able to get to St. Louis just fine, landed around 8, um, no delays or anything on that flight. Our flight from St. Louis to Orlando was supposed to take off around 10 and get there uh, a little after midnight. Everything seemed good. Everyone started lining up at the gate, and uh, there, was a, there was a Southwest employee there looking ready to, to check the you know, boarding passes and everything, and then all of a sudden, nope, no one was boarding. They needed another flight attendant and never came, and they never made an official announcement, but at 2.30 a.m., they officially canceled the flight. 
So Ryan and I, uh, we, we looked at other flights from other airlines. It just wasn't going to be feasible. So we slept about an hour in the St. Louis airport, uh, got in the rental car line, took us a few hours to rent it, and got it around 9 o'clock and took off for Orlando and uh, in the rental car. It was supposed to be 14 hours, took more like 17, and we arrived in Orlando Tuesday morning at around 4.30. So it was uh, certainly a, a pretty chaotic uh, traveling experience, to say the least, to get here. Okay, Jesse, I must ask you the most crucial question of all, which is you've been, you've been in Orlando for 48 hours now. Have you eaten at PDQ yet? And if not, why not? <laughs> I, I haven't yet. Everyone's I've, I've heard that from everybody to go to go there. Uh, to be honest, last night was my first chance to really go out, and I was I was so exhausted that I I finished all my writing and and promptly uh, crashed. But my plan is to either uh, try to go out there tonight, or uh, I don't leave until Friday evening. I may try to go uh, Friday before I leave. Hey, media squad up at PDQ tonight for dinner. Let's make it happen. I love that. That sounds great. Now, how did you and Aber divide up the driving time? 17 hours. See, I would have been a nightmare on that trip because I'm tiny bladder guy, and you can't have that guy in your vehicle when you're trying to get somewhere in a major uh, traffic jam for a lot of the drive. You don't want that guy. But <laughs> – uh, so I, I know you guys would have kicked me out of the car and I wouldn't have blamed you, but, uh, how did you divide up the driving and snacks? How did you survive such a horrible situation? Yeah, honestly, it was pretty tough and it was lucky too, because Aver and I didn't necessarily plan to, to go together. We, we just booked our flights separately and they happened to be, uh, they happened to be the same flights and then we kind of just stuck together, especially when the. St. Louis flight got canceled, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, and I just kind of had to accept early on that uh, we needed to make minimal stops, which was tough, but I, I took, I got the most sleep, in, you know, putting that in quotes. I got like two hours in the airport, and he didn't sleep at all, so I took the first four or five hours, and then Aver was a trooper. He took the next like seven or eight, and then I took the final stretch home. Uh, from about 2 a.m. till 4.30. And I'll be honest, that, that first hour and a half of that last chunk, I thought I was fine. And that last hour was, I pulled over twice just to keep myself, <laughs> like just to get out of the car, stand up, walk around. It was uh, it was, it was, was a pretty tough trip to get here. We made it all in one piece, thankfully, but it, it was not easy. All right, uh, so this matchup, you heard what Brent had to say, uh, you know, and, and I've kind of thought, and look, I've done it as well. I think the, the easy angle to go with here was the Sooners need this to keep momentum going in the next season. And, yes, that's, that's accurate, but what's another storyline that you're looking at in this football game for Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's certainly true. A, a win would be huge. But, I mean, to me, if you're if you're looking at the rosters, um, for both sides, especially after the OU opt-outs. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that, that Florida State um, has a bit of an advantage on both sides of the ball. Um, so, I mean, I, I would expect, you know, especially a, a full-strength Florida State team will we'll probably come out on top. But for me, I think what I'm going to be looking at in terms of, you know, of OU moving into the future is it, it's not necessarily a win, but you're going to get some young guys on both sides of the ball 
that are that are going to get opportunities they simply haven't gotten last year. And you know, the obvious one on offense. Uh, being Javante Barnes, we might see a little, you know, Gavin Sawchuck a little bit. Uh, I just, you know, for me, I want to see, you know, what what these guys on both sides of the do, these both sides of the ball, these young freshmen, how how do they play with these extended reps? I mean, Javante Barnes might get twenty or more carries. How do they handle, uh, you know, these workloads against a really good Florida State team on both sides of the ball? How do they handle not only the increased pressure? Uh, you know, the increased snaps, but, you know, how do they hold up over a full game? I think, to me, you can build momentum, you know, without necessarily getting a win. And and I think I think the recruiting class that OU has signed for 2023 has, has, I think, in some ways reinvigorated the program a little bit. So now I think for this game, it's just, you know, what can you build on for next year? Are there any Are there any young guys on either side of the ball that, that stand out that say, hey, we're looking into next year, we've got this, you know, 2023 class coming in. Who? What are some of these young guys currently on the roster that can really um, continue to build on that? So I think that's going to be the thing for me. Is it not necessarily the win, you know a win or loss, but uh, you know, uh, can they stay competitive and can some of these younger guys really make a showing? Jesse, why do you feel everybody is playing so coy about whether Dylan Gabriel is going to return next year? Is that in doubt in your mind? Because there doesn't seem to be any logical reason why Gabriel would move on from Oklahoma, and yet we can't get a definitive answer out of anybody as to whether he's going to return. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I think, I mean, I think my stance, you know, especially since the end of the regular season has been, to me, that there's no reason – um, why Dylan Gabriel wouldn't return. I mean, it's exactly like you said, but I figured, you know, even when it when it wasn't confirmed after those first couple of weeks, I thought, you know, maybe at the the media availability before they left for Orlando, maybe at his press conference on Monday he would say something. But, I mean, even, even uh, Jeff Lebby, you know, when he was asked point blank about Dylan Gabriel returning, he said, I'm, I'm confident he'll play on the tw- – he'll play well at the Cheez-It Bowl and then we'll go from there. And so, yeah, I mean, again, I don't know if any of that necessarily increases doubt that he's not returning, but I do think it is a little strange that it hasn't been announced yet. And, I mean, make, make of that what you will, but I would, I would fully expect him to return, but it is a little weird that we're, I mean, we're nearly, I mean, we're more than a month out from the regular season. We're a day before the, the bowl game, and that hasn't been announced, so... Uh, it makes total sense for him to return. Not really sure why that hasn't been announced yet. All right, before we let you go, Jesse Crittenden, our guest, sports editor, Norman Transcript on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Uh, where are you percentage-wise right now on Marvin Mims coming back to OU? I mean, I, I think probably – I mean, I'm pretty confident that, that Dylan Gabriel will return. I am, I am reasonably confident that Marvin will, uh, maybe a little less so than Dylan just because, I mean, I think – uh, I mean, I, he maybe he has more options than, than Dylan does if you want to look at it that way. I, I would expect him to return, but I do think uh, his is a little more in doubt simply because, I mean, we knew, we knew he was returning uh, not that long after last year's regular season. I mean, he, he announced that he was going to return for another year. Um, there's been more time passed this, this season with no definitive answer. So um, I think there's definitely been more rumblings um, about Marvin Mims uh, potentially returning, whereas Dylan Gabriel, there, there really hasn't been anything. I think there's definitely been mumblings. I think there are people around the program that are that are relatively confident he'll return. But 
and, and I think I would say the same. Although I do think there is maybe a slightly bigger chance he could he could look elsewhere than than maybe Dylan Gabriel would. Jesse, we appreciate your time. Hope you guys have a, a much uh, more expedient trip back uh, to Norman uh, after the ball game. Thanks for coming on with us. No, of course. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. We appreciate Jesse coming on. Uh, by the way, right as we go to a break, here's a winning text right here from the 580. The Alabama of snack crackers is chicken in a biscuit. Superior cracker. I can I can say chicken and biscuit. I don't know why we don't buy it more. Maybe because I don't go to the grocery store. But chicken and biscuit is outstanding. Every time I go to my mom's house and she has chicken and a biscuit, I pretty much eat the whole box. That is a good call from the 580. If you haven't tried the chicken and a biscuit cracker, they're old school, but they're big time. They are definitely at least in the playoff every single year. All right, we will take a quick break right here. we got Parker in Orlando. We're here in the Brown O'Haver Studios on a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune. We have one more award-winning, maybe not, segment coming up right here on the home of Sooner fans, The Ref. Closing it out here on a Wednesday edition of uh, Steel Man and Thune. We are uh, about, what, 28 hours away from the uh, matchup between the Sooners and Florida State tomorrow at the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, 4.30 on ESPN. Okay, Riverwind Casino. New Year's Eve, if you don't have plans, here's the perfect plan. Head out to Riverwind Casino if you think, you know what, I really want to have some beverages that night of the adult variety. They've got a great world-class hotel right there attached to the casino. It's it's perfect. It's a great game plan. Go there and uh, win some of the $165,000 in cash bonus play and prizes they're giving away on New Year's Eve at Riverwind. Uh, dining is great. You've got so many dining options, a great food court. You have the River Buffet. You have Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant. You can also play in the Showdown in the Desert promotion, play on specific electronic gaming machines. They'll point you in the right direction. What is the Showdown in the Desert, you ask? Five trips to the 2023 Super Bowl are going to be given away out at Riverwind. Uh, January 13th, I believe, is the day that they make the announcement. But play with your wild card as much as you can on those specific gaming machines. And uh, you could win one of five trips they're giving away to the 2023 Super Bowl with hotel, airfare, uh, spending money, everything you need. Obviously, game tickets. Uh, they'll be giving away five of those trips to the 2023 Super Bowl in the showdown in the desert promotion. It's another reason why uh, my friends over at Riverwind are simply the best. Our, our nephew, our niece actually, came in. Uh, for the holidays, went out to Riverwind on two consecutive days. Over $4,000. $4,000. She was very, very happy for the holidays. Thanks to our friends at Riverwind. Okay, uh, Parker, we have a few more texts we can get to. Uh, from the 618, as a pole climber in the middle of winter, we send out our sympathy to the huge struggle and setbacks these reporters had making it to Florida to cover football. Well, yes, your job is more difficult. I hear you. I hear you. But it doesn't mean it still wasn't a pain in the you-know-what. Uh, so, anyway, um, I, I man, that, more power to you. That's I'm not man enough to do that kind of work. I'm just telling you, city slicker here, kind of wimpy. I mean, I don't think I'm totally like Pee Wee Herman wimpy, but I'm definitely too wimpy for that job. 
When was the last time, Steely, that you worked a manual labor job? I changed the smoke alarm this morning. Is that manual labor? I got up on a ladder. I dropped about 20 F-bombs, you know, with it going off, and I'm nearly falling off the ladder. But I did get it finally fixed. That was – I. me and tools don't go well together, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, clearly. If I was with heavy machinery, I would be without half an arm now or something like that. I just – I, I just can't do it. I just can't. It's an accident waiting to happen. So shout out to the 618. That's tough work. Thank you for doing it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, chicken in a biscuit is great with easy cheese as well. Kendall's got all the uh, – have you ever had a chicken in a biscuit cracker, Parker? I don't know that I've ever had chicken in a biscuit. I've seen it. It's pretty I've good. I've seen it on shelves at the grocery store. Pick it up I next time. You will be. Don't ever recall eating it. You will be pleasantly surprised. It is a contender, no doubt about it. It is definitely a contender. Steely, what were your most heartbreaking Sooner Bowl losses? Well, I mean, I guess. The Rose Bowl. That was one, yes. I would say the uh, 78 Orange Bowl, 31 to 6 Arkansas. Uh, I would say the 85 Orange Bowl when Washington beat Oklahoma, I think it was like 24 to 10 or something like that, um, by a couple touchdowns. Because the Sooners might have, right now, nine national championships if they win both of those games. And also, not only that, but in that Washington game, that was the game we've talked about before where Barry Switzer was campaigning for OU. BYU was undefeated. BYU beat a 6-6 six and six SMU team in the Holiday Bowl to end up winning the national championship in Switzerland. Oh, hell, BYU schedule. Hell, we deserve to win the national championship, you know, if we go to the Orange Bowl and win. Barry Switzer was on the campaign trail. And again, after Washington beat the Sooners, that is when they gave Barry Switzer his own water, his sewage facility out in Utah, the Barry Switzer Sewage Center or whatever it's called. But he has one out there still. Uh, And, you know, the Arkansas loss, they could have won a national championship then as well. And Arkansas just waylaid Oklahoma that night with a freshman running back named Roland Sales who ran for an Orange Bowl record 207 yards in that game. I don't know if that record still stands. Roland Sales. And he was rolling, rolling, rolling. That's a 70s name if I've ever heard one. Yeah, he. Uh, that was a rough night for Sooner fans, no doubt. Okay, uh, we have time to, 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 to for a few more. What was the one up top? There was Steelman. How long have you been doing radio in the Oklahoma City area? I've been listening to Oklahoma Sports Radio since the day I was born. And my pop said uh, he had the. Uh, I'm now 31, and I could be a lifelong listener. I, I've been doing it uh, since, mm-hmm. well, I started back in like 83, and then I took a little break for TV, and then I had to wear a suit and tie every day, so I said, that's it, I don't like TV, and I came back to radio, so I've been doing it uh, since I came back to radio since about 92, my second step. So it's been a long time, been a long time. Believe me, I'm getting I'm getting much older. I I you know, who knows? Hopefully, uh, I'll either be retiring or the rest home within like five years would be my guess. Vegas says the rest home is the favorite right now. So, BYU beat Michigan, not SMU. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was a six and six Michigan team. That's exactly right. How did I have SMU? No, I was thinking of the Holiday Bowl. Think of the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, I was thinking. Of, no, I was thinking of the bowl game where it was it uh, BYU that beat SMU in like a last second hail mary or something. Yeah, but it, it came back from like fifteen yeah. down. That was. You're right. That was a Michigan team that BYU beats. That's exactly right. My bad. So, yeah, you know, long term memory usually holds up a little bit better. That one didn't. So. But anyway, and that was the the Washington loss when the Washington linebacker again, Joe Kelly, the Sooner Schooner came on the field, got flagged for uh, was it like uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, uh, and then uh, as they were the ponies were going off the field, Washington linebacker uh, Joe Kelly kicked one of the ponies right in the buttocks. Not cool, not cool. But it happened that night in the Orange Bowl. My wife was voting for cheese nips. I'm sorry, Shay. I didn't see it. I'm sorry. I was looking at. I had other things on the phone at the time. But there you go. We had a a uh, we had a comp conversation on who is the uh, champion of the cheese snack cracker conference. And I think cheese it may be the winner. But chicken and a biscuit. If you haven't tried it, it is outstanding. You'll you'll love it. Thanks to Riverwind. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Thanks to you guys. Appreciate all the texts today. Stay tuned. Let's get locked in up next here on The Ref.